We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. The kings of the new model proliferation have done it again. Oh, no. With the new Porsche 718 Boxster and Cayman. <sighs> T. They've introduced yet a new model. Mm-hmm. And here we are reading the specs about it. Not all the specs are out yet. But I have to comment on this. I'm, Didn't the GTS come out like a day ago? <laughs> two was, weeks ago? It was two weeks, yeah. It, it, it's, part of, it's part of our season four. Actually, we have, we finally are doing, and, I, and I'm not even the Porsche guy. We are finally doing something we wanted to do forever, and that is for season four, we have a comparison of the generations of the Cayman. And it's appropriate because it's now we've got cool. the, the hot models mm-hmm. of all those generations. But they've never done a T before. But now they have the 911 T is back. Oh, there's no precedent for a mm-hmm. Boxster or Cayman T. No, there's not. Which theoretically should be the lightweight model. And I, I was on the fence about the 911 Carrera T when it came yeah, out. The, yeah. the reissue, essentially. I was on the fence yeah. because they were claiming it was lighter. But now, well, by the pod, by the time this podcast comes out, there mm-hmm. will be a weight listed somewhere for these cars. I'm sure. Yes. Right now, we don't have that information. Mm-hmm. But they don't appear via specs to be any lighter or really different other than they gave it some fabric door handles. They had a box of fabric door handles <laughs> left over from hey, the Carrera T. Hey, guys, what do you want to do with these? In red and yellow, and they needed a car to put them on. <laughs> And they get some piano black trim and some new stitching, and they take the stereo out, the radio. Well, but but here's the thing. Here's the thing that happens with the Carrera T and this and this T. You know, and this is what happens anytime Porsche does a lightweight model. It's a few hundred pounds lighter. Now, please don't get me wrong. Sometimes they make them more focused in the process. But but go back to the the uh, the Boxster Spider and the and the Cayman R. In mm-hmm. both of those mm-hmm. cases, they're lighter, but they're lighter because has no stereo or air conditioning. What's the first thing most of us that are real people are going to do? We're going to spec back in the air conditioning and the stereo, and now it weighs the same as the model that is the normal model. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's kind of common. I want to use the jump the shark terminology here, but I'm, I'm not going to really allow myself to. But this is a little bit too far because it makes the base Cayman irrelevant. Hmm, Completely okay. irrelevant. It is the same, from what we can see, the same engine. Mm-hmm. The 300 horsepower, flat yeah. four, sure, 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 turbocharged, and we don't know about the weight, but I can't imagine it's that much lighter. Well, but maybe the, they did a little bit thinner glass. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's but, like a 3100 pound car anyway. So, yeah. so maybe they'll get to three grand or, or 2950 without an air conditioner and a stereo. And you have the option of putting the nav system back in. Of course you do. Yeah, which kind of negates the entire point. And you have a special badging, some stitching, the fabric, the aforementioned fabric door pulls. Mm-hmm. Makes and all the difference. An irrelevant base Cayman model. It should be this, then the Cayman S, and then the GTS. Actually, at most. I actually go with you on that. I see that. Let's here's, get rid of the base Cayman. Here's the thing I feel like Why is happening the base with the T. I feel like the T is the enthusiast model. I think that's what the T T is for. The. It's it's, it's <laughs> exactly. I don't know what else it could be because it's not really touring. Because touring suggests it's really nice. This is supposed to be the pared down version. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's Porsche doing their parts been thinking that they do for the GTS, which is let's take our car and let's make you the best version for touring. 
the grand touring sport, the GTS. Now let's take our car and check all the boxes from the factory to make you the best. You're a focused driver guy. Mm-hmm. And that's the sure. reason for the 911, and that's the reason for, the theoretically, the 718 Cayman T. But I think that leading with the, this is the lightweight version, is just wrong. Because <laughs> here's the thing. It's not if it was, substantially if it was different enough. 500 pounds not. lighter. And even if you put That's stuff compelling. back in, you put stuff back in, it's still two or three hundred pounds lighter. Okay, That's all right, interesting. But if you can put stuff back in and the weight's the same, don't sell it as the lightweight model because because I'm not good at math and I'm terrible with scales. <laughs> but that doesn't work. I mean, it does have the PASM, the Porsche Active Suspension Management, lowers cool, the car by twenty millimeters, three hundred horsepower. But from what I can tell, there's really nothing different. I mean, broad <laughs> strokes. I do like that they're claiming the price will be lower, so therefore it's a better way for enthusiasts of the brand. The enthusiast model. The enthusiast to get into the car if you're into Caymans and Boxsters. Theoretically, the price is lower. Theoretically. There we go. Theoretically, yeah. That's what T stands for. It's the theoretical model. Uh, The The 911 theoretical. (laughs) The 718 theoretical. We're just teasing. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Wow. No. No, stop. Stop, stop. It's okay. It's okay. Well, um... It's here, and uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just. I don't think there needs to be four versions. Well, but here's of the Cayman or Boxster. I'm wondering. I mean, look, it just that's a beloved car from us. Okay? It is. I, you've obviously I, owned two. We've had all three generations in this upcoming piece, and it's a really cool piece, actually. And, and I think you and I fun. were both kind of surprised by some of the things we discovered yeah. comparing the three of them back to back. It was actually really cool. There's so a, I'm excited to a share. a lot of differences. Yes. Yeah, so so was, I was very excited about that. But I'm starting to wonder, are they going to do, not as, as bad, of course, but are they going to start to do with the Cayman what they've done with the 911, which is how did we end up with this many versions? Because Cayman used to be Cayman, Cayman S. <laughs> yeah, right. And now, as of what we know right now, Cayman, Cayman T, Cayman S, Cayman GTS, Cayman GT4. I've got five now. <laughs> so how far are they going to take this? Because you've got... A target Cayman? Well, but are they going to have, you know, is there going to be the, I don't know, the GT2 equivalent of the Cayman lineup? What is that? I mean, well, there is you know? the GT4, so maybe a GT4 RS. And yeah, then a, exactly. Uh, yeah. Because what are they up to? Almost 25 variants of the 911 at this point? It's it's quite absurd. But I'm wondering how far <laughs> a, they intend it's, it's to... It's borderline obnoxious now. It, it is. I'm wondering, and you say that as the Porsche guy, too. As the I mean, you are about as big a fan as it comes. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yes. I'm wondering how far they, they may split up this Cayman model. And I actually agree with you. It would be interesting to have the T is the base enthusiast car. Of course, it still has the big engine, quote-unquote. But the base enthusiast model, and then there's the S, and then there's GTS. I think that would be a great lineup. But clearly, they're they're seeing options. I mean, change the interior. The IP is just some dials. It's just some gauges. Sure, and sure, that's, sure. Yeah. It doesn't have air conditioning. It doesn't have wiper blades. It doesn't have mirrors. <laughs> it doesn't have anything. a sunny day car. It just, yeah, it's just totally stripped away. And say it is 2,500 pounds. Okay, now that's a compelling argument. Yeah, I see that. And it's stripped away. They stripped away the price. Mm -hmm. Anything that could theoretically be leather-covered is no longer offered on this car. Yeah, except that Porsche, when they give you less, they charge you more. That's typically the trend. We gave you less sound deadening, and it's more expensive because it's more of a race car. Mm -hmm. You know it. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm questioning this, but now they're cannibalizing sales from somebody who wants a Cayman, and why wouldn't you buy this for less? What? Maybe. Maybe we'll I'm, see. I'm but here's confused. the thing: by the time you by the time you you trick it out, it'll be an eighty thousand dollar car anyway, new. 
Let's hope people buy them That's in 80s so they keep making them. But anyway. Yeah, agreed. Well, happy Friday, everybody. This is our last podcast before the Christmas break. So yes. we are taking a break, as a matter of fact. Merry Christmas in the U.S. 2018. We're going to be taking a break. So this is, uh, like I said, last podcast until the new year. Well, we've got one no, more no, no. That's before not, the new year. No, we're not actually. taking that big a break. We, yeah, here's yeah. the thing. This year, Christmas Day is a Tuesday. We normally release, release podcasts on Tuesday. There will not be a podcast from us on Christmas Day. But the following Friday, right. we will be back. Right. So a week from today, when you're hearing this, happy Friday. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. By the time you hear it again, it will be a week from now. We will be back. If you're one of those people that listens to the back catalog, you're only going to skip one podcast. Remember, we do two a week. So we were just skipping Tuesday the 25th. We'll be back next Friday uh, with Podcast 360. We're still figuring out what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. It feels we're like still a, that. a full circle podcast yeah. because we're 360 degrees. We're going to figure out what that's going to be. Hal and a few others had mentioned the fact that it's 360. We should do something cool. We're figuring that out. But tonight we have two car debates. We have Diego and we also have uh, Brock writing in two very different car debates. A lot of good questions. So uh, we hope actually by the time you hear this, we hope you're off for the holiday. Yeah, we hope agreed. that you are headed to family or with family and Take a break. enjoy just having some time off. I'm going to try as well. Yes, decompress. We are taking the time off. And so, yes, happy holidays to everyone in uh, all over the world, actually. Absolutely, yes. Everywhere. So we're just we're uh, really thinking about 2019. We're excited for what's next. We've got a lot of ideas coming your way, but the debates continue. And we're going to jump right in with Diego V's question here. He's out in Chicago, Illinois. And he has been listening to the podcast for a while. Great. He's 28. He's married. He's got an 11-year-old and a dog. Mm -hmm. And he is writing to ask what his very first sports car should be. Yeah, this is cool. I love it. This is cool. And I'm trying to think back in my own life. When was my first sports car? I don't think it was till 26. Was it it the 928? It was the 928. I think I was was 27. Mm -hmm. And then I sold it when I was 30. Okay. That was just last week. <laughs> Mine was right. the 300ZX, and I'm trying to f- figure out when that was. Uh, that that's a frightening thought to go back and ponder that. But yeah, uh, similar ages, and uh, mm. yeah, that was the, the 300ZX. So you're at the right time. I love. Actually, it's always the right time to buy a sports car. That should be my T-shirt. <laughs> it's always the right time to buy a sports it car. It is. But here's the interesting thing: is you've said you would prefer to have four seats, and my question for you is, how badly do you need four seats? Hmm. I don't have. I'm not going to land on that and really like follow that rabbit trail too far. But you've said you'd do coupe or convertible. You'd like to have four seats. So we are, of course, talking a lot of two plus twos here. Uh, Diego did something interesting. He broke down all the cars he thinks he might like that he thinks might work, mm-hmm, yeah. and then he pitted them against each other. He said this or this, this or this, and I loved that approach. So I actually thought I'm going to break this down that way. But Diego's history is uh, motorcycles. The fun driving has always been motorcycles, so that's mm-hmm. why we're buying a first sports car. He'd obviously like rear-wheel drive. He'd kind of like automatic because his uh, wife's not that fond of uh, stick shift. But uh, she has a Kia Optima EX that she loves. She wants to keep it till it stops running, which could be a couple decades. Yeah, that may be your car for a while. Yeah. Which is fine. We're glad you like it, but that's going to be a long lifespan if your decision is, I bought it new and now I'm going to <laughs> have it until <laughs> it dies. Could be a while. Fine. Yeah. All right. Well, so Diego has a 2013 Kawasaki ZX6R. Diego, I don't know if you know, but I worked for Kawasaki as my first job out of design school. So I wasn't working on the fun bikes. I was working on the, well, the not fun bikes, I guess. <laughs> well, they're still fun. I was working on the cruisers. The not fun bikes. <laughs> Fun bikes over there. We have you over here. (laughs) Don't look over there in that corner. No, actually, they they keep the design for those crotch rockets in in Japan. They 
they I was working on cruiser bikes and uh, uh, water vehicles mm-hmm. and uh, what else off road vehicles. You were working on some of the early designs of some of those UTVs that are now everywhere, which is right? crazy. Yeah, yeah, because those hadn't been invented. It wasn't a thing yet. Yeah, and I was working on some early prototypes, early designs, and then Polaris kind of led the way. Anyway, so yes, I I am familiar with Kawasaki's. ZX6R is a track-worthy bike. It's actually mm-hmm. just over 600cc. It's got a lot of power. And, uh, yeah, he tracks that. So he's looking for yeah. a car that is the fun car, but, you know, he can track it too. Yeah. And so we've got to figure this out. And we don't talk about too many four-seat or four-door cars necessarily that are track-worthy. Yeah. He lists a few here, and I, I agree with you. I like his listing of cars but I also like this, you know, two cars versus each yeah. other. He's trying to help help himself pare down by going which of these. And uh, he, he listed off a range of stuff here. I mean, a lot of these are two doors, two doors uh, and uh, two plus two. That's kind of the majority of where he's leaning, which I like. So I'm going to just give the list real quick, and then I, I'm going to dive into his pairings after that, or maybe you can dive in. Okay. All right. he, he likes the Audi S5, so two door, two plus two. Mm-hmm. We stay with that trend. The Challenger. The Mustang GT, the uh, 435 M Sport Pack, the M235 BMW, the M3, that's the E92, E93. Now, we do like that generation. That's last generation M3. So he likes that car. It's always kind of been a dream car of his. And then that car we keep bringing up is the M3 Alternative, the uh, 2011 to 2013 335 IS, which is the turbo, has more torque than the M3, and you don't realize that that's what it is. That's his list, and then he starts putting them against each other. I I, I like this pairing idea because I think we can hack through them easily. And then I have a um, an additive at the end to just go, have you thought about this car? We're hmm. a little wild card and we're done. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, his requirements are the the four seats and, you know, dog, growing family. But this this first uh, pairing here is Challenger versus Mustang. Let's mm-hmm. just dive right in. Yep. Challenger versus Mustang for track use. I mean, yeah, there's four seats in the Challenger, but this is not really a track car. Agreed. I don't look at it Agreed. as a track car yeah. in any shape, way, or form mm-hmm. unless you're doing straight line drag racing. Yeah. So I look at the Mustang as a clear winner for anything that you're wanting to do. A fun car. Yeah. They're excellent. The Mustang GT that you listed, mm-hmm. bring it. Yeah. I like that option a lot. They are $25,000. You can get all kinds of them. You could actually get a Boss 302 for twenty five grand, Diego. That's true. That's true. I actually prefer the latest Mustang over the Boss 302 myself. But the Boss is very cool. And you it's could so get one It's so raw and compelling. Yeah, it is. But, but I agree with you. When you go Challenger versus Mustang, the Challenger, honestly, is the only muscle car that remains that is of traditional muscle car setup. Mm-hmm. Meaning attitude, enormous, big engines, corners are not where it shines. It can corner. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But it is a big car that corners. It's never a car that feels like this car is a cornering car. It's just not. The weight never disappears. The Mustang can – yeah, it's about a 4,500-pound car. The Mustang can genuinely surprise you. Uh, We've driven it on the track. We've driven it in all kinds of variations. I think the current Mustang is the clear winner here over the Challenger, and I think that's a really good option for you as a first sports car. You can get in them. Of course, they're affordable. You can do parts all day long. 
you can track it, or you can just drive it. I, I think the Mustang's the clear winner of those two. I like how he starts us off with the low-hanging fruit here. It's easier, and it gets harder as he goes to the it list does. here, clearly. It does, yeah, yeah. So we're on to the S5 versus the 335IS mm-hmm. versus the 435. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think I can speak for you as well. The 335IS is of those three, our yes. choice yes. for track car. It's our choice out of any of those three. Even though they're all great cars, they just do different things. They are all solid. I think the 335IS is the driver's car of that three. Very for much sure. so. Very much and, so. and forget track for a second. Just what's just the one I'd like to drive every day? 335IS. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. the S5 is powerful but doesn't have the the tactility is the word I'm going to go with. It, it just the steering and the and the handling dynamics it it doesn't feel as good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then and actually when we first drove the 335IS we had it with the S5. It was the Cadillac CTS, That's the right. S5 and the 335IS. That's the right. 335IS was definitely the most dynamic to drive of the three. The 435 is frankly bigger. It just is a bigger car. It's not that it's not dynamic, but the 335 is going to feel smaller, and that's why I have to go there. The other two would be your considerations if you didn't have track worthiness on the list here. Or if it was if, big road tripping stuff. Road tripping, yeah. high-speed cruising, commuting, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It might change us a little bit, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, yeah, the uh, the middle car there, 335IS. But now, how about the 435 versus the M235i, which I don't think is a really fair comparison mm. because I'm definitely going 235i personally. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. What what surprises me about the BMW lineup right now is that the 2 Series visually looks like a significantly smaller car than the 3 and the 4. Mm-hmm, but if mm-hmm. you break out your stat sheet, and of course you and I always talk about the fact that the spec sheet doesn't tell you how a car drives, but usually not. I find usually weight not. to be very interesting and very very telling for what a car is going to do. What always surprises me is that the 2 Series looks like a significantly smaller car than the 3 and the 4, but the weight is like within 100 pounds, mm. which always shocks me, honestly. Mm-hmm, sure. Anyway, so I, I agree with you. The M235, we've driven in every scenario. I just said that the problem with the 435 is that it feels like a big-ish car, kind of a bigger car than these others. That's the benefit of, of the M235 in this equation as well. It's the smaller car. A little bit harder one is the last one on the list, and that is the M3 versus a Mustang GT. And I think mm-hmm. what you mean is the E92 generation. He does. That's the one he Versus out for sure. the yep. current Mustang GT. Yeah. Again, both do different kinds of things, mm-hmm. and I'm wrestling with this personally. I, I think, th- yeah, I like both of these. And, and he has a sub-question here we have to get to next. We're, just, we're, we're really slicing the onion. Yeah. But, but here's yeah, the yeah. thing. On the M3 versus the Mustang GT, I think the question for you, Diego, comes down to how much are you going tracking? I suspect, based on your description, this is mostly going to be the I have a fun street car. And then a couple times a year, you take it to the track. Mm-hmm, In that sure. scenario, I think the M3 wins. It's the nicer place to be more of the time. I think if it was more tracking, I would go Mustang, and I would go Mustang because if stuff breaks and when it needs to be replaced, it's going to be much cheaper and easier in that Mustang than it is in the M3. The M3 is going to eat your wallet after a track day. (laughs) It is. It is. The Mustang's going to burn through stuff, but the M3 is just going to have your paycheck for lunch. It is. If you can afford it, yes, I'd say go with the M3. And and I'm coming back to his first sports car experience. When he looks back in his life and he yeah. wants to put his finger on, this was my first sports car. Yeah, yeah. A Mustang GT is a great car. Absolutely. But I want you to be in the M3. I, I want it to make it work somehow. Mm-hmm. But all up until now, we have not mentioned his budget, which is twenty five grand. Yeah. $25,000. Yeah. And he's mentioned Cooper Convertible 
if you're going to do any tracking, please buy a coupe. Yeah, agreed. agreed. Any tracking whatsoever. Because you mentioned that E93, and that that is the hardtop convertible of that generation. Yeah. Great, but that turns it into a big GT car for me. I can it's, see that. Adds, yeah. adds some sure. weight there. For sure, yeah, yeah. So less than 50,000 miles, but back to this $25,000 cutoff, you can buy a lot of either car in this Absolutely category. Absolutely, you can. Yeah. But I just I look at this, you know, my very first car, even if you have it a year and you experience it that mm-hmm. way and you move on to... Let's say a more special edition of the Mustang, like a GT350. Nice problem to have. Yeah. That's compelling. Yeah, yeah. Is you know maybe you move on that way, or you get a mm-hmm. boss, or mm-hmm. something like that. Sure, sure, sure. You know, other cars come out, but I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm working with the M3 over here. I'm looking at that for your first car. I'm leaning that way only because I think this is more of a daily than it is a track car. If it's really going to be a, I'm going to track this regularly. I think you're going to be happier that you bought the Mustang because of what those track days are going to cost. Everybody I know with an M car that tracks it just empties their wallet on brakes and tires. And the problem is then you think about mods. You think about, oh, if only I had more braking power. Oh, what Uh about sway bars? Yeah, Uh uh-oh. You know, a little bit more power in the straightaways, all that kind of stuff. There's so many more parts, I'd say, for Mustangs to be able to do that less expensively than an M3. But if you're just going to be doing the daily thing and it's an occasional track day... I'm landing on the M3. I have a I have a couple little wild card twists in this though. Okay. You did ask a final question. You said, "Hey, by the way, while we're here, because we are here, Diego, uh, 335IS versus the M3 on the track, there's going to be a difference." Yeah, there I is. actually think it depends on the tracking you're doing. If you're on a track, look where where we drove the M3 and it really was it really shined. Honestly, was the ring. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because the sure. ring. It has some some really really sharp corners, but by and large the ring is a like a third gear track. Okay? Pretty much, pretty and, much. I mean, there's there's some variations, but third gear track. There's some places where you can run. Now, even though there's a lot of blind corners and it gets tight, it doesn't get down except for like two places. It doesn't get down to break really hard, get down right. to first or second, and do this hairpin. It doesn't do a whole two lot of that. Two or three, I can think of okay? offhand. It, it's mostly just you're running. It feels like a canyon road. The M3 feels great there because you can be hanging out. And right up there at the top of the rev band where it, it it sings and it feels fun. If your track is closer to an autocross setup, like I would not want autocross at that M3 because <laughs> the difficulty of getting that engine to give you what you want right now, whereas the 335IS, because it's turbo, has got more earlier. Sure, sure. So if your track is kind of more toward a tight corner, I have to do little spurts of acceleration. I think you'd prefer the 335. So it's almost about usage more than it is car, I think. Oh, that's excellent. But yeah, I have excellent. one... Other wild card I'm surprised isn't on here. Okay. You've brought up a few BMWs, brought up a lot of really good cars. I'll go, like, I won't even list cars, but I will say, do you need four seats? Because <laughs> if, you, if you could go two, two seat, we could have all kinds of fun. And you probably have listened to the podcast enough to know some of our recommendations there. But since you're coming out of bikes and you're coming into your first sports car, I want to get you into something on the smaller end of things. And we're listing off these BMWs, and we have overlooked... The 135IS. Excellent. The 135 is kind of a mini M3 of that era a little bit anyway. And I do like them, okay? I think they're kind of an ugly duckling, and I prefer the 1M, but the 1M is twice the price. So, you know. (laughs) And will always be that, too. If you can find a 135IS, it is the little brother, the 335IS. It is the almost 1M of that generation. Now, there's not very many out there, but they're still around 25 grand. Yeah, that's a great point. You can find them. If you can find one, they are in your budget. It is a smaller car again than the 335. 
I want you in something small. I think look for a 335 IS. See if you can find one because that might be the business. Interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. We we have alluded to the 128i mm-hmm. as a low, you know, just a low price point and mm-hmm. getting into BMWs and the goodness that it is. If you get a, a 128, get the M Sport package, please, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. can find that combination there. But yeah, the 135 is is a definitely overlooked car for but sure. The IS is a is a unicorn fine, but they're very cool. Diego, I had some wild card thinking. I'm not sure if I'm going to say recommend these to you i'm not i'm not sure if i'm gonna really stand on that but your bike love and the fact that you're riding a kawasaki Mm -hmm. by the way kawasaki motors is about a fifth the size of kawasaki heavy industries which builds the ships that take the pipes around to the (laughs) oil platform that they build anyway so you're talking japanese machinery here and Mm -hmm. i thought Mm -hmm. what could you get if you didn't get, you listed no Japanese cars. Interesting point. Yeah. For a track right. and a daily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so for twenty-five grand, you could find the nicest Mitsubishi Evo Ten for that price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could also find an O four O five WRX STI that you could just beat the daylights true, out of on track. True, true. It's decently comfortable. Yeah, I mean, we're it's no longer doors. rear-wheel drive feel here, but we're still at very fun cars. But my super-duper, this is not even a wild card. This is beyond wild card territory. Okay, okay. But without spending all of your twenty five grand, how about an 09 to 2011 Mazda RX-8 R3? Okay. For about 12 to 15 yeah, yeah, or yeah. less. Mm-hmm. And there's many people who have tracked them, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of issues when you're tracking an RX-8. They compound themselves. There's so many variables, but there's a lot of guys and there's a lot of forums who are experts in doing these, and a lot of guys autocross them. And it brought me back to the light rear-wheel drive, excellent on-track kind of car, despite everything else Mm -hmm. with the rotor engine. But everybody who tracks an RX-8 deals with the problems, and they love tracking it. Mm-hmm. And it just it depends on the kind of track. If it's a big power track, get a Mustang GT or the, or the M3. If that's big yeah. power in the straightaways, yeah, go that way. But if you're doing autocrossing, if you're doing light, nimble, mm-hmm. and you want a Japanese machine, and he's it's, ca- it's weird. It's weird. But he's coming out of bikes with high rev band. And that's where my I, thinking was. I see was. it. I do see it. There, there's, a, there's a relationship there to bikes. Of course, the other one that's relationship to bikes, of course, is the Honda S2000. But of course, now we're two-seat convertible. But two that seat. is kind of the closest you can get to a sport bike that's actually a car right. in, in feel. But but I love the RX-8 for that. That's really, Four really good. Four-seat. Yeah, 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 totally. Fun. Mm-hmm. They're excellent they on are. track. They, they are The handling fun to feel of that yeah. car, I, I wish Mazda still made some kind of model like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Even if they went away from the rotary for it, fine. Yeah, I agree. Different power plant, a turbocharged, whatever, fine. They got a great engine for it already. Yeah. They're putting in, in the Miata and everything else, why not? Yeah. Like the next generation, they've teased us instant, of course. endlessly yeah. Yeah, with yeah. the RX-9 and on and on. So I, I wish they still had that, but if that should strike you mm. in any way, it's, it's not even a consideration. It's a moonshot at best sure, sure, but it's sure. just yeah. it crossed my mind and i thought you should know well guys uh really appreciate both your debates both of you writing in if you do have a debate please write to us everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or the contact tab on everydaydriver.com and write to us your debate we'd love to hear from you love to hear what's on your mind and uh, give us your story like diego has here we are going to take a break and we'll be back 
Every car has a share of stories. Your car has stories. Maybe the ding in your bumper from when you had that first date. Maybe the luxury package you got because you thought, I'm going to get the car that matches my promotion. Or you you saved mileage. You rode your bike all summer. You put less mileage in your car, and you thought, that's going to help the resale value. You can't put a price tag on those stories, but now with TrueCar, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or trade it in. Just go to TrueCar. Simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then you answer a few questions. You have the navigation. You got the moonroof. Or you put high mileage on there. You knew it was going to cost you. Now you can find out just how much. Once you're finished, you'll get your True Car cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local True Car certified dealer. You can cash out or trade it in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash offer is not available in all areas. When you open the hood of your car, do you ever notice how often you see Continental belts? There's a reason for that. Continental is one of the world's largest OE suppliers for the automotive industry. Now, this is automakers around the world. The U.S. Big Three, all three of them, BMW, Volkswagen, over 30% of all new vehicles sold in America have Continental belts on them. It says Continental knows original equipment because they are OE. Continental's OE Technology Series multi-V belts for the automotive aftermarket are precision engineered for perfect fit, form, and function. They're the belts engines already know. You can confidently spec Continental's multi-V belts. There's one for 98% of all the vehicles on the road today. You may not know it, but Continental is also a leader in automotive technology, electronic components for things like autonomous driving and even accident-free zones. The focus on innovation is in every product Continental makes, including OE Technology Series aftermarket belts. If you're a fan of rants, you're going to love Penn's Sunday School on Podcast One. Join famed magician Penn Gillette as he talks about anything and everything from news to religion to anything else that's on his mind. And trust me, he's not about to go easy on anything that ticks him off. Check out Penn's Sunday School every Monday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We've all got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, yes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing you do today. Technology Truths, brought to you by Geico. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? <laughs> LOL. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I'm not sure what you're hoping for for Christmas, but you're looking at probably something car-related. And I should mention this because we just mentioned it last podcast, and it, and it like became a thing. Mm, By the time yeah. you hear this, our limited edition embroidered everyday driver caps might be gone. So if you got one, hey, Merry Christmas. I think they're really cool. I keep wearing mine a lot, so I hope yeah. you like that. Yeah, they if are you, awesome. If you weren't able to get one of those, we may do some other limited edition stuff down the line. But if you'd like some logo swag of ours, you can go to the store tab on everydaydriver.com. You can find – actually, you know what? You can find more than that. You can find all of our feature films. You can find all of the TV episodes. By the way, that will probably include American Original by the time you hear this. Yeah. yeah. So American Original, the Corvette film, will probably be available on Amazon Prime. That depends on Amazon's processing, I will admit. <laughs> it's out of but our hands we at have, that point, yes. Uh, just so you know, we have submitted it to Amazon. If it's not up there yet, it's because Amazon is dragging their feet. It's not us. So that exists. The Blu-rays are in route. 
Uh, it is does exist on Vimeo. So American uh, Original is out there for consumption. We would love for you to see the Corvette film. We're so excited about it. But the rest of our films are there. You could get other uh, caps and T-shirts and hoodies and all kinds of stuff, plus the stuff we talk about, about gear and other movies that are not car-related, car chase movies, stuff about design. You've always talked about like those design books. Those are on there, too. Yeah, for sure. The store yep. tab, you can find all that kind of stuff if you've ever wondered about it. Maybe it's late Christmas gifts. I actually went Christmas Excellent shopping point. like yesterday. My wife looked at me and shook, <laughs> shook her head. But I was like, I've been editing. Okay, now is when the Christmas shopping gets I done. Know, anyway, I know. so yeah. I've actually been inspired by all of our talk about ramping up all of the merchandise and the swag and the t-shirts and mm-hmm. all of the t-shirt designs that we have talked about and still to this point never executed on. I'm actually Good. getting inspired to go create artwork and Are start really? okay, doing cool. all these t-shirts and cool, putting them cool. out there. And maybe that will be the limited editions of things we do. And I, I, I want to see that list again from you, by the way, because you've, right. been, you've been keeping that. And I want to go back and start, and also start we have illustrating a, some, some American original T-shirts coming up. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. there will be quite a bit of things. By the way, you can get an Icon shirt. I've always really liked that logo you made for the M3s, that uh, Icon yeah, logo. Those are on there, cool. too. Yeah. It's cool. All right. Well, jumping into the debate for Brock Z, he is writing to us asking for something comfortable, nimble, and low-tech. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy that needs low-tech. He's 47. He's got a wife who's utilitarian with cars, and he's you know she's open to him getting something that he likes after years and years of practicality. <laughs> okay. They have a uh, they have a daughter that's a freshman in college. They have a son that's a freshman in high school. So uh, they still need some utility. But the truth is, they have a uh, 2007 Sienna minivan that has that about 100,000 miles. He's probably going to get rid of. His wife drives a 2006 Prius. And she's family. fine with it. <laughs> and, and and poor Brock is looking at this going, I hate this car. I hate I hate this car. Can't imagine he's, why. He's not comfortable in it. He's he's six foot three and a thin guy, and he's not comfortable in it. He doesn't like to drive it, but it works great for his wife. So he goes, All right, cool. She's handled. I am getting rid of this minivan. It sounds like it might even get him a Viking barrel. No, actually, he is going to sell it. So okay, he's going to well. he's going to sell the minivan for get around roughly ten grand for it. He's going to add a little bit of money. His budget is around thirteen grand. Guys, help me find some fun is where he's at. Yeah, his dad actually has a Miata that he says he takes it out every so often, Mm -hmm. but because of bad knees, he can't do manual transmission on anything. Not for very long, yeah. Kind of a bummer. It's a 92 Miata that he says he gets to take out a couple times a year. He barely fits, but he loves the feel and sound of that car. Mm -hmm. And so he's looking for an automatic for $13,000, four seats, comfortable seats, Sporty to drive around corners, he said. No track use here, but just fun. Something that kind of channels that Miata a little bit. And corners are more important than power, too, which is also interesting. And the other important point here is reliability. Yeah, yeah. He says, not interested in BMWs, Minis, Audis. He likes Japanese reliability. They're a Toyota family now. They're used to it. And so introducing some sort of high-strung or older sports car that's going to need a lot of care and Mm. feeding and an oat bag every so often, whatever that (laughs) is. nice, yep. He's not used to that, and that's going to kind of upset things. So he's saying reliability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what he was looking at, this initial thought that he had was a Lexus IS. He said, driven a first gen and hated the seats. Still Toyota, by the way. <laughs> it's true. It's a Noting great a point. pattern. Yeah, anyway, go on. That is a great point. Now, he drove a second generation IS250 and loved the seats, loved that cockpit feel, but he didn't like the handling of the car. Yeah. 
And then going forward to the newest IS with F Sport, he says, you know, is the second gen IS 250 or the 350 considerably better? Or is there something with a better driving experience or an entirely different car whatsoever? Yeah. Should we go different? And I do have some ideas for you. Good. $13,000. It's actually workable. You'd think it what's is. out there. It is, yes. And it's actually workable. I'm excited to I've bring up some, some good things. stuff too. But Brock, I'm going to ask the same question that I just asked of Diego. But I think it's even more relevant for you. Why do you need four seats? I mean, genuinely, I'm asking you because you have you have two kids of driving age. Or okay? yeah, yeah, true. Okay, they don't have their cars yet, age. but they're driving age. One, yeah. uh, one of them is already out of the house. Your your wife has a car that can take all of you if you all need to go somewhere. Do you really need? And I'm 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 actually landing on the word need. Do you need four seats? Hmm. I understand you've defaulted to that. You've been driving a minivan, which obviously the benefit of a minivan, the whole reason they exist, is because you have space to just work with and not think about. Once you go to a two seat sports car from that, that's a big change. But I'm genuinely asking you to ask yourself: Do you need a four seat car? I I tried to stay, and in fact, I did. I at least stayed in two plus twos. I didn't okay. go with any straight up two seat cars, but I thought. Thirteen grand. If you embrace two seaters, you like that Miata. Why don't we chase just two seat cars? Why won't that work? And I'm genuinely asking you, but I'm still going to adhere to your to your requirements here. I've only got one that doesn't. I've only got one wild card that I'm like this doesn't really fit, but I'll explain why. Otherwise, I'm I'm mostly in uh, two plus two world. Interesting. Well, I was thinking along those lines, and I I like what you're saying here. I was thinking along the lines what Brock is saying here, and most of the cars, well, a few of them are not rear-wheel drive, so they're front-wheel drive. Now, that doesn't just kill the fun entirely. They're still, the ones I'm suggesting here are interesting and sporty enough. Okay. Even though that okay. IS, I wished you liked that first-gen IS better. I wish the seats yeah. were better for you because yeah. I would hammer on that. I would recommend that all day long. They're cool. They're, They're cool. tiny, a little They are. Chassis. They are littler than you would ever imagine but until you see one in the modern time and you go, that's not a big car. Yeah. Because then I go right to the 06 Mazda Speed 6. Unfortunately, oh. it's only a manual transmission. Yes, true. Which Brock can't have. That's true. Yeah. That was my benchmark, and I thought, how can we work off of that? Okay, okay. And I came to a 99 Nissan 240SX, the hmm. king of the drift cars, essentially. Yeah. But if you find a nice, unmolested one... Good luck, but yes. <laughs> they're surprisingly well-balanced, and they handle great. Hmm. And they're kind of fun. Hmm. And they go back. They take you back. They're very low-tech. They just, they just work. Which led me to an 01 Honda Prelude, so the fifth-generation Honda Prelude. Okay. Now, front-wheel drive, but small, nimble. There's, there's some bones there. There's some spice and fun, but these are nowhere near 13 grand. Hmm. So that led me to the car that I think is the alt to the Lexus, okay. and that is the 2011 or 2012 Acura TSX. Okay. As a matter of sure. fact, that uh, year range had the TSX Sport Wagon that only came with the five-speed automatic. Interesting. Okay. Kind of interesting. Now, it is a little bit long past the rear wheels. It is the wagon thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is a very unique car. And you're mm, a car okay. person. It's still got the utility that might appeal to Brock, but yet it's still got some spice in there. Yeah. However, if you don't get the Sport Wagon, the TSX does come with the V6. It's 280 horsepower. Mm. 3.5 liter V6. Yeah. 
automatic transmission, and it's a small enough chassis that I think makes it the alternative to that Lexus IS. That's a good find. And they're like right that. about 12, 13 for nice ones. That's a good find. I like that a yeah, lot. Front wheel drive. Good. Yeah, yeah. I wish sure. it were rear. That's of what course, yeah. Toyota and Lexus do. But yeah. That's kind of the trade off. But something you might like the seats, you might like the driving style and the, mm-hmm. and the feel of the car better, but that is your alt, Brock, mm-hmm. I think. To go drive those, go find those, and explore that. If if that becomes not an option, perfectly fine. I mean, you know, there is the 2004 to 2008 Acura TL Type S. True. There is that car. That's the third generation. You get the all-wheel drive. Be Could. careful of the beak. Go later in the in the model run to get a little less chrome beak out of that <laughs> Avoid car. Avoid the yeah. beak. Yeah. Some people had the beak painted. That they would part, take yeah. it to a body shop mm-hmm. or the dealer and just say, you know what? Paint it body color. Because that needs to stop. Take care of this? Yeah, for sure. I don't know what they were thinking. (laughs) Now with more chrome. We've got a shield on the front. We're an Avenger. It's awesome. Yuck. Yeah. Yuck. All right. So those are my alts for you, Brock. Something to drive, but I know it does come down to interior and comfort. That is probably priority for you. That's what I'm kind of gleaning out of the email here. I mean, it's not like we're going for dedicated rear-wheel drive track car. It's just got to be rear-wheel drive manual transmission. I'm not sensing that. So. These are the alts, but I I do like the Lexus IS. I do come back to that and say it is a great car. Okay, it's okay. excellent, excellent platform. Yeah. if you like it, yeah, they're they're well within your budget. I wish I wish it was a more dynamic platform, especially at his price point. I do. Point. I, do. Uh, I mean, I I really like the current IS in three fifty F Sport uh, trim. That actually is a surprising car we've talked about before, but. Uh, I mean, yeah. your 135 or 128 could slot right in here, yeah. but it's a BMW, which he doesn't want to consider. True. Very true. And that's where we're back. So, mm-hmm. you know, think of the reliability, and that's why I'm kind of corralled in this area yeah, where I'm completely. suggesting cars. He's avoiding those, for sure. Uh, I have a few here. I want to start somewhere that I think is, okay, you're, you're looking at how do I get fun, but if we're in Lexus land, there's a part of me that goes, you're still wanting to have a lot of kind of normal utility commuter in your car. That's what the Lexus car says to me. So I have to say shop GTIs. Good, good. Now we are in a German car here. Yeah. There's going to be more maintenance involved, but see how much GTI you can get for thirteen grand. You can probably, I know you can get a Mark Six. You might be able to find yourself a Mark Seven. The thought Maybe. crossed my mind, and I was just wondering about the, you know, fives. Yes, sixes probably. Sevens. Sevens mm. maybe. Sixes for sure. But you can get a DSG in the six. Good automatic. Hmm. So that's an option. Certainly look. There's plenty of room in those cars. What about an R32 going back to 04? Uh, I think we're going back a little far. I think we're getting far? a little finicky to, to, to take care of it. That's my suspicion. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I like them a lot, but I think that's maybe a bridge too far. Great seats in that car. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. But anyway, so, there, so GTIs. Look at GTIs and see what you think. Because that's got, of, all, of the stuff I'm listing, that is the most quote-unquote usable car I have on my list. But I'm going to go 2 plus 2 sports car for you. Are you? Okay. 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 Hopefully good seats. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to list off uh, four here. They're all 2 plus 2 sports cars, varying levels of power, varying levels of seats and comfort. Okay. So see what works for you. You can get yourself a Genesis Coupe for this money. Genesis Coupes are definitely in that range, yeah. Uh, the sure. seats are, are good. They're not amazing, but they're good. Now, seats are a very personal thing. You and I argue about them all the time, Paul, because we're roughly the same size, and yet seats do not fit us the same. Mm-hmm. So, amazing. Brock, you just have to go try seats on and see what works. The Genesis seats, I remember them to being 
they're they're acceptable. They're fine. It's not a standout seat, but it's also not a problem seat. Right. Okay? They were pretty average, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shop that. But you could get if you can get the three point eight liter V six, or maybe it's a three six. If you can get the V six out of that car, you're better off. Uh, automatic in that car is also decent. The seats and the automatic are both acceptable. Neither of them are standout, but that's a good platform. The fold down rear seat. You've got rear seats. While I'm at that shape, though, I have to go here. Some of you are already yelling it at the podcast. You need to you need to actually drive the '86 chassis. Mm-hmm. That is a good tall man car. It is a consideration for the sure. The BRZ or FRS sure. or the eighty. You're not going to get an '86. You can find an FRS all day long. For Sticking with the Toyota right? platform. Yes, rear wheel drive Toyota reliability. Mm-hmm. Some honestly, some of the best stock seats sold right now. I'd agree with that. Okay, I definitely agree with and that. Yeah. Good for tall guys. Good for thin guys. And that six speed automatic, honestly is one of the best traditional automatics out there. Mm-hmm. It's I, not a yeah. dual clutch, but it's also not a CVT. And as far as like actual automatics go, it's got paddle shifts. It's a good auto- automatic. I think that car genuinely checks every box you've got. It handles well. It's not a powerhouse. It handles well. Brock, you need to go drive this car. You like yeah, your dad's that's, Miata. That's definitely up there. Yeah. Go drive that 86. Now, maybe that's not nice enough for you. Or maybe it's not big enough for you. So I'm going to go with two others. One is the Mustang GT. Seats on that car vary wildly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what's your spec of the Mustang? Depending on the spec, the gear, And how do all the seats that. fit yeah. you? It, yep. They really vary a lot. And then also the Infiniti G37 Coupe. Hmm. Okay. That's on the bigger side of things. Japanese reliability. It's about the True. same size as the Mustang. Japanese reliability, good seats, Nice engine, good interior, two plus two build. The automatic on that car is also solid. Infinity G thirty seven coupe Brock might be the answer because it's more on the Lexus side of niceness. This is the question mm-hmm. you have to ask yourself: How nice does this need to be? Because if you if you're looking at the Lexus and going, I kind of like to be like this. It's the Infinity. If you're looking at it going, I kind of like to be the, the Miata. You're in the eighty six. By the way, Brock, if that leads you to the Lexus IS250C, please run away from that. That is the hardtop convertible that Lexus made <laughs> that was terrible. I it's hated that car. It's not good, yeah. Just you'd think, oh, it's comparable. It's the Lexus version of the Infiniti yeah. because you're trying to go please Toyota. Yeah. It just so happens it's it's the wrong car there. It's it's not good. <laughs> I hate that car. The uh, so, so the Infiniti G37 Coupe. Interesting. And then I have two wild cards. Okay. And okay. they're wild cards for different reasons. You're looking at, you just want fun. And you want cheap. And so I have to say it. I know it's one of my standbys. The Fiesta ST, except now we're in a manual transmission. That's why it's a wild card. Yeah. Now, yeah. if memory serves, and the many times I've driven it, that is a car that appeals to tall guys. It fits tall guys well. And it's one of those... I can't believe how easy this this is, stick shift cars. This is not a car with, oh, I had to push in the clutch. It's all just light and easy and throw around. Sure, So maybe, I don't know how bad your knees are. I don't know what bothers you over time. I don't know if it's like after two hours of a big clutch. Well, he was saying even the Miata, you know, it just... He kind of gets. He can drive him, it for so a while, and I ruled like, out anything. Um, yeah, I know. Manual, I know. which I just, is which is why I'm it putting it as a as a wild card. Yeah. It may, but but I encourage you at least 
Go drive one of these and see if it surprises you. I know there are those of you out there that can't believe I recommend the Fiesta ST as often as I do, but there's the counterpoint you don't read, which are all the people that go, I listened for a while and I finally drove one and wow. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about the Fiesta ST is a surprise. It does not. I mean, my wife still does not get it. I still go, oh, cool, Fiesta ST. She's like, you've got to be kidding because she's never <laughs> driven one. I think she'd be very surprised. Anyway. That's an ideal winter beater, honestly. Uh, in many ways, It's an yeah. ideal winter everything. It's just chuck it around. It's fun. <laughs> And then the other wild card I thought of, and this is a wild card because it may be more than you want to maintain, but for this budget, the Porsche 928 with the auto. Really? They make a, they made more auto. You've told me this. They made more autos than anything. They're out yeah. there for thirteen grand like crazy. Almost 90% were automatics. Yeah. It's, it's much the problem more of a is cruiser, there's there's a there's, deep rabbit hole of maintenance on that car. Yes, it's if, scary. If it, if it starts to go downhill, it goes downhill fast. Which again, this is why it's my wild card. But I just thought that's two plus two, and it's a nice engine, and it's good seats, and it does all of that. But maintenance might be scary. So the question on the eighty six, this is kind of eating at me. Okay, okay. For his budget, for thirteen thousand dollars, can yes. he find a nice one? Is my question. Yes, absolutely. For absolutely. Thirteen. Yes. Yes. Because I was thinking BRZ. A little bit nicer, but even if it's 86, mm-hmm. but I the thought crossed my mind, but then I ruled it out because I didn't go shopping. I thought, 13 grand, you can't get one. Yes, you can. Yes, really? You can. Yeah, they are that low. They are that low. Now, there's not a lot of them that low. If you, if I was you going to say that's either high miles if or you it's bring the 15 early years. Grand, you have your pick. It's like a 2013. Yeah, or but the 2013s, which is the first year they made them. I mean, they're out there. They're out there for that so price. Thought crossed my mind. I just yeah. thought, thirteen grand. Can you actually get into one? And I'll, I'll also say this: this is one of those enthusiast cars where the manos are worth more than the autos. So you're because helping yourself it is an there. Enthusiast car, you're helping yeah. yourself there. You buy a first year hmm. automatic transmission, thirteen grand. You can go find one. Hmm. Guys, thank you for writing to us, Brock. Hope that helps. Really appreciate your your email here. We're jumping to audience questions here for social media, and I want to jump into Spencer Petty's question here. Favorite podcast for a 10-hour drive to visit family? Hmm. You must be going to, um, yeah, Christmas vacation here. Yeah. Must be dog-friendly. I'm going to give you four. How's and a it- podcast dog-friendly, by the way? <laughs> just, I mean, I think, sure. I think short of just having like strange screeching noises, aren't all podcasts dog-friendly? <laughs> I guess so. Anyway. I guess so, as long as they don't have weird, you know, yeah. no fireworks and... You know, what else? No no strange high-pitched noises yeah. that only dogs can hear. But, I mean, who's doing that? Anyway. All right. So, CarCast and Smoking Tire, one of our, our two of our favorites, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two others that I like. It is something you should know. Okay. I, I mean, I learned about sand. This is a total off-topic. <laughs> total off-topic. But stay with me for two seconds. Wow, this is compelling. I, I learned about I, sand. I learned about okay. sand because it's not a renewable resource for how it is used in construction materials. Oh. Okay. Once it's used in concrete, you can't get the sand back out of concrete. You can't recycle it and get it back to that raw material like you can other things. Oh, interesting. Okay. Endlessly fascinating. There's sand mafia. I don't know that it's endlessly fascinating, it but I see why it you're following the rabbit cool. trail. It was cool. It was okay. really, right. really cool. They made okay. it cool. And then the other one is Nobody Told Me. It is Jan Black and Laura Owens. And yeah, actually, there, we yeah. were on, on their podcast. They have a lot of interesting guests that just you know pick your brain from health mm-hmm. to... You know, workouts to all yeah, kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. Uh, we were talking about cars, of course. Ariopolis uh, said, uh, would you guys consider hosting a winter-themed excursion similar to our other trips, uh, like an ice driving or skiing? Ariopolis, I would love to. 
I would love to. We've oh, talked man. about doing like an me? ice yeah. driving uh, meetup and and, and <laughs> skiing experience. behind the ice driving car, being pulled along like idiots. Hey, you know what? It's an adventure. There, just sign here. There's a lot of release forms. You're gonna have to initial a lot of places for that release there form. And, and there and but there, we're gonna go have some fun. And there and there, I actually, <laughs> I don't recommend this, by the way. I actually got pulled through my college on more than one occasion on my rollerblades, pulled by my friend's SUV, and it was brilliant. By the way, it's brilliant because, of, of course, course he also did. had a ski boat. So we used the ski boat. Uh, oh yeah, actual rope stories connected to the trailer hitch. It was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. And you're on rollerblades. You know it. Anyway, oh, man. Yeah. So there's that. No, but. Here's the thing. We would, I would love to have, if I could really do it, I'd love to have three or four trips a year, and they would be variations. There'd be a pilgrimage trip. There'd be a, a winter driving trip. There'd be a, a, a meetup in some part of the U.S. I'd love to do that. It's only money and time, two things we don't have a lot of extra of right now. But trust me, there are the ideas, and I'm glad you're intrigued by it as well. Keeping with the Christmas theme from Jeff H. asked for best stocking stuffer for a car guy. Okay. Besides everyday driver movies, yes. That'd be nice. Yep. And anything from the Griot's catalog, of course. I'm a guy that loves magazine subscriptions, especially special editions. Mm. I love the How Stuff Works magazine subscription, okay. uh, th- those kind of magazine book things. Th- the uh, the magazine called Monocle is really interesting because it just – you talk about travel and clothing and design and international – Events. And you walk around in a different part of the earth than I do. <laughs> no, I don't. You bring, not only the different parts of the internet, but I mean, I live ten never, minutes from you. I've never even heard of the magazine Monocle. <laughs> I subscribed for a while. It's That's pretty, amazing. Pretty cool. Okay, keep it's going. Expensive, of course. Top Gear magazine, Evo magazine, mm-hmm. or a radar detector, or a good dash cam. Okay, anything from Kill Spencer which is a website started by a fellow Art Center grad named Spencer. And it's all really cool handmade luxury leather goods. I think car guys would like that. Again, I've heard of none of this until right now. <laughs> Good sunglasses, always yeah, important okay. for driving. And Vera Tools. It's spelled W-E-R-A and it's pronounced Vera Tools. I tease Paul that they're Vera Nice Tools. Because it looks like the word Vera. Constantly. They're Vera Nice Tools. They're anyway, awesome. Yeah. You can get they them on nice. Amazon. They're and, and, really... they're, and they're tiny and very, very well designed. Precision. Honestly. They actually make the micro screwdriver. I think it was the iPhone 4 and 5 that had those two little tiny screws in the bottom. They were the people that made the screwdriver for the repair shops that wow yeah it was okay really good stuff you're seriously you're off in a different world you're like in a parallel dimension to me <laughs> I, I don't even know how that happened or so watches of any kinds or a cool casio g-shock or something all right know. these are sto- this is an expensive stocking stuff around, yeah, but is. i'm impressed but okay. they'll fit sort, well, sort they, of yeah I, I see that a lot of them do uh let's see ted adam green asked about us doing a car suv and truck of the year we are actually going to do kind of a year-end wrap-up on our next podcast we're going to kind of include some of our favorite drives on that so we will circle back to that andrew stein asked on facebook better daily driver 86 or miata rf daily driver Mm. i think it comes down to how much space you need because if you're going to be the guy that you need to haul okay. some stuff now and then, or even fairly regularly, you want the 86 platform. It's got a surprisingly big trunk, and when you fold that back seat down, you'll be shocked by the room. Uh, and it is a little bit quieter than the RF because it is a dedicated hardtop. Now, it doesn't. it's weird. It doesn't have, I don't think, the sound deadening of the RF. No, but the RF, no. it, it, there's less cabin. And unfortunately, the only thing I really don't like about the RF, which is a car that, frankly, I would buy if I could fit, which is a separate thing, is there's a lot of wind noise at the B-pillar with the top up or down in the RF. 
which is kind of yeah, surprising. That's right. There was. There so was. the 86 doesn't have that problem as much. So I, I think from a more kind of general usability standpoint, I think it probably is the 86. But the, the MX-5, the Miata, in standard form or RF form is one of those cars that I think you just enjoy driving, doing anything. Yeah. From a I, comfort I went, standpoint, I'd go Mazda. I went and got milk. I went to the to my business today. I went for a drive for fun. All fun in the MX-5. Mm-hmm. It's all fun in the 86 as well. But the, the MX-5, because of that removable top, it adds that extra layer of, this is really cool today. The shape is awesome. Oh, the RF is I gorgeous. saw one in it's black gorgeous. and it snapped my neck. Yeah. Went, what They're is really that cool. cool little? They're <gasps> really cool. That's an RF in black. If I didn't, it's gorgeous. If I didn't have to, to modify the seat the day I bought it, it would be on my short list. Yeah. Because I, I just don't fit in the car. I mean, I just I'd don't like to fit. fit better. I fit a little better than you do, but I still don't fit that well. Yeah. And I'd like it. It seems like a bit of luxury intertwined in there, but you're right. The wind noise is a bit of a bummer. I will never forget that when I had my FRS, one of the number one comments, because I tried really hard to be, because the car being a hype machine that it was, good and bad, everybody quote unquote knew about it, but many people had actually never driven one or been in one. Mm-hmm. And the consistent comment I got whenever I opened the doors of the FRS, people were like, this has a lot of room. Surprisingly, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's packaged really well. So if, if room is a concern, that's the one that would win for Daily Driver. It's a question from Michael D. Asking about the best feature that is rarely seen. For him, it's mm. adjustable pedals. The Honda vacuum built into minivans. Those really suck. <laughs> Honda vac. Going to lunch, everybody. <laughs> We're done. I have Mike contributed. drop. <laughs> oh, man. And massage seats. As a matter of fact, my expedition has the adjustable pedals. It has the button. Mm. I still don't understand why they didn't install an adjustable and tilt and telescoping steering column. Why? I still don't get so it. So the steering column is locked down and the pedals move? The pedals move. It actually tilts, but the, okay. you can't telescope. I, okay. This is not hard. <laughs> it would seem like the Many easier solve than the moving pedals, honestly. But anyway. Michael, for me, it's auto-dimming headlights. Oh. The Grand Cherokee had this feature, and I thought it was awesome because on some back roads near my house, I leave the brights on. You set on sure. the automatic setting, and they just pop on, so mm-hmm, they just mm-hmm. the brights are on, and then as soon as a car comes over the hill, they automatically do it for you. I like it a lot. I can see cool. that. I kind of miss it because good. Yeah. you're constantly having to do it yourself. You know, it's, it's such a pain. <laughs> I have to lift a such finger. A literally have to lift a finger off the steering wheel and my click arm. that stalk. It's just a bummer. That is funny. <laughs> that is very funny. Uh, let's see. Nate actually is a local guy. He wrote in on Instagram and he said, where are the best Canyon drives here in Utah? He bought an FRS because of us. <laughs> and now he's going, what do I do all winter? Well, now what? winter is difficult, I will admit. Uh, the fun thing about the FRS in the winter is knowing that you're doing it. Knowing that while everybody else is freaking out and driving their 4x4s and still freaking out, you're enjoying yourself much more than they are in a rear-wheel drive car. That is the way I enjoyed my winters. Now, right now, with the Lotus, it's just parked all winter, and that is a bummer. The other thing you have to do is you have to, when the, when it breaks 45 degrees or so and the roads are dry, get that sports car out. Just exercise it and go it's the middle of the winter, but I'm driving this car. I mean, don't go. I mean, my my Lotus be lucky to get down my drive with my current summer tires. Yeah, true. But uh, but I need to exercise it just for that because that is really fun. And you do the same with your Cayman. Uh, there are a lot of great roads. That is a longer discussion. But pick any of the canyons in the Salt Lake area. But if you really want to survive the winter, go down south. 
go uh, mm. go south of I seventy and pick all the fun roads down there in the Moab area because they're not getting a lot of traffic, and uh, you could go down there as well. Ian R on Facebook has seen an advertisement that said a Cadillac Escalade, Escalade. Let's be honest, the Escalade. Yes, there it is. Is an icon. Is this true? And what makes a car iconic? Well, <laughs> it's an icon because it's all the airport delivery guys, or it's in some video, yeah, some yeah, music yeah. video, yeah. or something like that. So, I guess. But it's huge and expensive, and yeah, you see him. I, I I don't know that iconic is the word. I mean, we use things like you know the the one M and the Porsche nine eleven, and those kinds of cars are iconic. Yes, I, I would. It, it's it's iconic. I think the the writer wherever you saw or the advertisement, the writer was thinking, well, for you know what it is. It's, you know, kind of defined the gigantic SUV. It's Mm -hmm. the go-to. Although I would argue the Navigator is the same category. Yeah, yeah. But I would say the the reason I think it might be iconic is twofold. One, the marketing department said so. But beyond that, honestly. (laughs) Because we say so, everyone. You see an Escalade and you don't think it's anything else. That's the reason I would possibly argue that, yes, it's an icon. Because if you see an Escalade from any angle – you know what it is. Nothing else is quite that obnoxious. Say and that about boxy any Cadillacs. To some degree, yes, but the cat, but the caddies keep kind of changing. I mean, the Escalade has kind of been that approximate shape forever since they introduced it. It's kind of been that basic shape, and they and just print money. With they do. It too. They, they are so expensive, and and that is a car of good margins. So yeah, I, I, that's the only reason I would argue it. But I would say mainly this is just it's just marketing speak. <laughs> Question from Mark T on Instagram, who has an Exige S, get this, Lotus mm-hmm. Exige S for track and weekend use, Yeah, okay, and his good, summer car is an M2, hmm. and he said the M2 is boring. Comparing those two, I would say yes. I, I can see why, yeah. but he says, will a 997.2 Carrera 2S cure his boredom, or is he just lost? My thought for you is, if you find the M2 boring, mm-hmm. how about a Mustang GT350R? Ooh. That is unboring. Yeah, it is unboring. And it's a similar price. I do like that. I'd say trade in the N2 or sell it to me <clears throat> and go get yourself a GT350R without the back seats, the big spoiler in the front, the lip spoiler. That car buzzes. And if you find that car boring, I'd like to know. Then you really are lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guess th- th- so. Then there might not be any finding you. I would say. The 997.2, have you driven one? Drive one. It's a very different feel than your M2. Oh, for sure. Uh, so drive one because it, may, it sure. may do it for you. Also drive the 1M. Compare that to your M2. Sure, That's sure. an option. I think that would That work. might be too close, but maybe, maybe. But, but, but if we're, we're looking for that kind of, if that's the shape he's needing, if he's needing that shape oh, and he needs sure. 2 plus 2, then drive the 1M. And then, look, as much as I'm not a guy that wants to have only one brand in the garage, have you driven the Evora? Hmm. If if the if the Exige has this is why I'm saying this if the Exige has ruined you for quote unquote normal cars, <laughs> then what about the the Evora? Does it does it do it for you? That's kind of what I wonder. I, I I don't really want you to have two Lotuses in the garage as much as I love them, but I do wonder about driving that car as well. I would say drive the 911, drive the 1M, and drive the Evora and see what speaks to you. You know what else is not boring is a C706 Corvette. That is not a boring car. True. That's another good one. I do like that. Yeah. Mm. All right. 
What else did you find? Uh, James. You see James's question? He did a Christmas question, and I thought, we got it. We got to cover this. Oh, yes, we do. James B., thank you for James writing James on Facebook writes in, it's Christmas morning. Your parents are in the kitchen smiling ear to ear. They've decided that retirement s- savings are irrelevant. They're for sissies. It's not, <laughs> not necessary. The time to live is now, so they are buying crazy things for people. And they have bought you, or you and I in this case, Paul, the brand-new car of your dreams waiting for you in the driveway. However, they bought the car they think you want. <laughs> so what car did they buy? How disappointed are you? And what would you rather it was? This is a little bit difficult. It's interesting, isn't it? Well, to do that, to break it down, you'd need to, you know, well, we'd need to talk about our parents and, you know, kind of what they think we do and what they think we're into and what they think we should own. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where it would be at. My dad with his discussions of our advanced photography projects. (laughs) That's all my all time (laughs) favorites. That still kills me. Wish you luck on your advanced (laughs) photography project that I was like... What? what? How are those the words you strung together to describe what I do? How how was any part I'm of just that killed by anyway? That. Uh, yeah, uh, there's, there's a disconnect there somewhere. Maybe that'll get, Some, there's get covered. There's a chasm. There's a Me, grand. Meanwhile, right my there. son totally gets it and thinks he's a, thinks he's an employee of Everyday Driver. <laughs> he wants to be known as an employee. He he. he so by funny. the way, his grandparents, his other uh, not my parents, my my in laws, they now live in town, which is both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> anyway, so uh, but Don't, can't open worms they, everywhere. Yeah, exactly. They uh, that won't be cleaned up they uh they brought him to the premiere the corvette premiere and he showed up in an everyday driver shirt with a name tag i know that said his name and everyday driver under it because he wanted everybody to know he was with the show it's so made cute. me laugh so much so anyway cute. so he gets the show my dad clearly doesn't but um <laughs> i think Got your advanced photo essay advanced going. photography project what on earth Oh what yes, I'm just out here doing a large 10-year running photo essay, Dad. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> We're into landscapes anyway, now. Yes, exactly. That's it's, where we go. It's all, we it's go all, out to the forest. It's all hubcaps and grass now, Dad. It's, it, this is, this is it's my artsy. current assignment. Anyway, moving on. So I think, I think my dad, partially because he's always wanted one, would buy me a vet. Do you? I think he'd buy me a Corvette because he's always really liked him and it's always been the car he's wanted in spite of driving that E-Type, which is at least in that era, I think, better than the vet, what that was. But okay, he would probably buy me a vet. And I would appreciate it because I do like the current C7 a lot. But I wish if he was spending that kind of money, he would have gone smaller and done Cayman or Evora or something mm. of the type, even though mm. I, I, I do genuinely like the C7. But that's the thing. Here's, but on the other end of the, of the spectrum, I'm not going to complain about a free C7 Corvette. That's an awfully good car. Yeah, it is. It is. Hmm. Well, my dad gets the show, although he teases me when, yeah. when I tell him that we're driving you know, some more expensive cars or whatever that is. And I, I explained that, you know, (laughs) later as these cars get older, the price comes down. Generally speaking, that's how it works. Anytime it's a car of about 50, 50 grand, your, your dad starts repeating every day driver, Paul, every day driver. He does this a lot. I've heard him do it. Yeah. And yeah, but he otherwise gets it. And he knows the fact that I've had this Porsche love. Yeah. I don't know that he'd be tone deaf. I guess. Mm. I, I don't know that he would. Mm. I think it would be a 911. I think it would be really? yeah. somewhere in there. I don't think he'd be so 
you know, out of touch, I suppose. Well, C seven's not way off the mark. No, parents, it's not. Yeah. It's not. I, I, he just he knows the Porsche love runs deep. I mean, the European car thing runs deep. I was putting yeah, together yeah, yeah. testers models as a kid. I know, painting yeah. them and Craziness. carefully gluing them, and there were BMW M sixes and nine elevens and all these fun cars. And so he's seen the progression. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, design school and all that stuff. After paying for design school for he, me, yeah, that he's choking seen that, through that. He's seen that up, up front. He still razzes yeah. me about some of the stuff that I bought. He's like, ah, oh, did did we have to spend that? How? Why did you? Okay. <laughs> it is funny because James has accidentally asked a "Tell us about your family's" question, <laughs> which was, is kind of funny. But but that is that is an odd question, but a fun question. Hey, look, you know what? Any any free car is a good car because worst case scenario, you can sell it. Heck yeah. Anyway, all right. On Instagram, Dual Rockwell asks, "Will people be driving around in restored current cars like '90s all the way up to now, say 50 years or 30 years into the future?" Like today, people are restoring old Alphas and BMWs and that kind of thing. And he's saying the plastics in these interiors, they're not going to age as well as wood and leather. Even though wood and leather get worn and you have to completely redo them, redo the stitching and redo the finish, all that kind of stuff. The plastics themselves, I think, are going to be around unless they're prone to cracking, which the 80s plastics are. Yeah. But modern plastics, I don't know that they're going to crack and split as much as the older stuff and... They're going to be like canned tuna or MREs or Twinkies or whatever. They're going to be the same kind of category. They're just Post nuclear destruction, <laughs> still fine. They're just fine, like cockroaches and interior plastics. Those are the only two things left on the planet from whatever car. <laughs> Mad Max has a really nice dash. It looks fantastic. And also, can you imagine trying to find either the replacement part or... No. redoing the foam that's poured over the plastic structure, the armature, whatever it is. Oh, wow. Can you imagine redoing? Because those dash, no, no, a lot no. of those cheaper instrument panels have stitching molded into them because I've stitching never, is so cool. I've never liked that. It's, we it's have stitching molded. in the mold. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this is a thing, and there's software that helps you put stitching on your... Anyway. D- hang on, hang on. While we're there, I, 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 I got to go nuts for a second. <laughs> oh. Does the software that do the stitching, is it so geeky that it makes the stitching imperfect because it would be stitched that way. It does. It's a button called jitter. You can add jitter and tweak it so it doesn't look quite so perfect. It does. Yes, they thought of this. The the coders have done this. So I don't think the plastics, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think generally the materials Mm -hmm. now, I think they're going to last a lot longer in some cases. But the more luxurious materials that are genuine natural materials, Mm -hmm. those don't last and they do need to be replaced. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the Mm -hmm canned tuna that is or whatever that is the <laughs> plastic army men that is we're not we're not sure that that uh, dash piece will ever degrade <laughs> don't think but, so uh, that's okay sunlight nope wind nope weather doesn't <laughs> matter it's gonna be around forever we do wish you happy holidays and merry christmas around the world we really appreciate you guys listening and following the show yeah definitely a lot of ideas coming for 2019 but we do have one more show before the new year so we will be back looking forward to next time cheers Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. 
You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.